Welcome to the M&A Cornercast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions. Helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. Hello and welcome to Cornerstone's Cornercast. This is Scott Bushke, managing partner and founder of Cornerstone. And with me, I have Kyle Madden from KLH Capital. Hello, Kyle. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you back again for a second episode. There was a lot of good information there in the first episode where you gave us a real good insight on kind of the market. If you haven't listened to that podcast, listen to that because there were some really things in there that unique and probably people wouldn't expect in all the craziness that's going on in February 2021. Also, we talked about the two top value drivers, which I thought were very interesting for people really to focus in on. So in this episode, we just wanted to take 15 minutes or so and really capture people's options that you have. And we mentioned in the last episode that business owners in that lower middle market space, that two to 50 enterprise value, probably have more options now than they ever have had as far as just the number of buyers out there and different types of buyers. And I wanted to pick your brain. Yeah, I think most owners think that, hey, someday I'm just going to sell 100% of my company and retire and just go away. Or maybe they don't think there's anything to sell and they're just going to shut their doors. Kyle, what's the difference between a majority recap and 100% sale? And they also just shortly talk about minority recap as well. What are the difference between those three exit options? So this thing called a recapitalization or a recap for short, when you look at private equity, that is typically the product that we are offering. Okay. So to Scott's point, we do minority recapitalizations where we'll invest for less than 50% of the ownership, as well as we do majority recaps, uh, where obviously we're investing for greater than 50% of the ownership. So what it is, is it's a way for you as the entrepreneur to exchange a piece of your business at today's fair market value in exchange for liquidity. And you can use that liquidity for a number of different things, pay off the lake house, put it in your back pocket, or reinvest into the business and use that as growth capital. Traditionally, the recapitalizations are more succession planning focused to where the capital would be leaving the business and going into the pockets of the shareholders. So when to consider and when it fits, when it does not. Think of if you're a singular shareholder getting to a point in your career and likewise at the business's life cycle where the company has fortunately and successfully grown to a point where it can now start to become a risk for you to continue to personally finance that business, right? We do a lot of transactions with folks who are saying, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not tired. I don't want to retire. In fact, I want to grow my business, but I'm still personally guaranteeing the line of credit or, you know, this business thankfully has just continued to grow And it's a bigger and bigger risk for what money I have already on the sidelines because I'm bankrolling the thing. So idea there is you can pick an amount of your company that you'd like to sell off 15%, 20%, 80%, whatever, it doesn't matter. And we'll together come up with a valuation. And that is the liquidity that you receive with the whole goal of providing you liquidity from our fund or from a private equity groups fund. That's the easy part. The part that becomes fun is now what, right? So a lot of these recaps are used for situations where you want to have your cake and eat it too. You want to sell a piece for fair market value or or good liquidity value today, but also 
you want to go grow your company, you want to break through glass ceilings, you want to build a world-class sales team, you may want to do your first ever acquisition, but you don't want to do it alone and you don't want to do it with your own money. Um, so these are all the sorts of things that we help entrepreneurs think through and ultimately execute on typically for the first time because that's the value of a private equity group and the fund that comes along with it is that track record and that skill set of doing that. Well, that's what I've seen, Kyle, where this has been successful as someone where a business owner is going, boy, I've really done well, but you know, 60 to 90% of my net worth is tied up in my business. And if something changes in the industry or something happens to me as the owner, how is my wife or my husband or my heirs going to get the money out of that business? So why not? Why things are going good, take some chips off the table. And then what I've seen, we just did a transaction last Friday where it was an 80-20 deal. They rolled 20% of equity back into the deal. And it was one of those things where they were up against capacity issues. And now this new firm could come in, bring some of their equity and capital, invest in new equipment lines, help fill in a management team that was a little thin where they needed some help and really set the company up to significantly grow over the next several years of its business. And the company wasn't hurting. It was just, how do we take the company to the next level? And there was two main partners. One was 80 and one was 63. And the 80-year-old really just wanted to simplify his life. So it worked out well in a scenario like that. I, you know, It was an experience that we just had last Friday. Yeah. A quick example, we closed a transaction last summer where we were dealing with one owner and he over dinner said, I'm stuck because I don't want to sell my business. You know, I would like to retire in the next five years, but I don't want to sell. But I'm not ignorant to the reality that I also don't want to mess it up as I get closer to my slowdown age and my business and my business's backlog is continuing to grow. So I'm stuck because I want to continue to grow my business for the legacy, for the people, for the profit, but I don't want to continue risking all of my chips as I look to eventually slow down. So what we did there was we, we offered him a minority deal for us to buy 40%, and we offered him a majority deal for us to buy 60%. Of course, the cash at close figures are different, and he ultimately chose a, a 60-40 recap. And the whole goal of that transaction is now he's been able to enjoy 60% of the fair market value in his back pocket, but also now... We're out chasing the first acquisition that the company's ever going to do. I mean, we're going to build out the maintenance function of his business. We're going to focus on delegation and building out the infrastructure for his business. Who do we need to hire? Who do we need to delegate responsibilities to? What new systems do we need to install and deploy into the business so we all can make better decisions? I mean, this is... This is working on the business as much as he is still working in the business with the goal of fast forward three, four, five, six, seven years, the business has grown and the business's profit that it makes is, is quite literally worth more, think multiple, worth more at that point in time because of what we've done together to work on the business. Right. And at that point, too, he's somewhat, I like to say, not exactly the right analogy, but almost kind of, you know, you're at the poker table, you're doing well, you're up 
And instead of leaving it all out there on the table and all of a sudden, you know, a few bad hands and you lose it all, you put the money that you started with away plus some extra money in your pocket. And now it's it's a lot more fun playing poker or blackjack with the casino's money. And to a certain degree, you've kind of done that. You've got your money in one pocket, but you still got some money on the table. And it's more fun. There's no personal guarantee. So the risk is much less. And I've seen it too where you guys allow them to build, you know, you can build a team around them. So if they want to get back into whatever that area that their, their real passion was, where they were really good, they can do that and potentially take some hats off as they continue to grow the company as well. And you guys can help fill in those voids with other folks that you can bring into the company, correct? That's right. That's right. I mean, it really is trying to establish what are you good at? What do you want to do? And how do we build that together for you? We've done a lot of transactions where folks eventually phase out into retirement, but yet they remain a board member because they still want to have a, you know, a hat in the ring. So it really is trying to figure out what are you good at, where and how do you want to spend your time, and then augment and backfill behind that. I think your analogy, Scott, of being at the poker table is close to being spot on. That's what we talk a lot about with our entrepreneur partners. It's amazing the weight that is lifted off your shoulder or off their shoulders and the behavioral change and the additional things, or said another way, the risk that they will be able to take or be more comfortable taking when their money has already been removed. And I think you see that a lot with doing these acquisitions where you've probably never done them before because it's expensive and risky to do it with your own money. Well, we do this for a living. You know, they're still challenging, right? I mean, it's not a slam dunk, but we will put up the financing. We will integrate it with you. It's what we do for a living. So the odds of it you know, being successful are that much greater. And ultimately, you've all heard the you know, second bite of the apple. I mean, it's working on increasing the profit of the business and increasing the quality of that profit and its organic revenue streams to make the business worth that much more. So when you do go to sell 100% of the business, that second bite is worth more than the first. That sounds cliche, but that is a very real thing that happens regularly. We've got about three minutes left and I just wanted to touch base because obviously there's a lot of private equity firms out there that say they're private equity and whether they're committed funds or not committed funds, we could have a whole nother discussion on that and the pros and cons. But I think the last time I looked, there's about 4,000 private equity firms throughout the United States and about 1.5 trillion in dry powder or cash looking to be deployed into companies. And obviously, firms come to us to help them vet between the good and the bad actors out there because there's a lot of, in any industry, there's good and bad actors. But when you're talking this big of dollars and only having one chance to sell your company and doing it right, the stakes are that much higher. What would you recommend to those business owners out there? What questions should they ask? Or obviously, we're going to do some vetting as the investment banker, but what should they be looking for to try to smoke out the good versus the bad actors in your industry? I agree with what you've said, you know, but I also don't know that it's any different from any other industry, right? I mean, Correct. there's good and bad actors in, you know, in all of what we all do. To your point, Scott, that's one major reason why we as investors hire investment bankers and likewise why business owners hire, you know, investment bankers is to help you as the entrepreneur flush through who has money who doesn't have money, although they say they do, you know, and who knows your business. So I think that question to where you're going, Scott, is very, very important. I think the entrepreneur needs to be aware of, first and foremost, your options. You can sell the business, you can hold the business, you can recapitalize the business. And there's groups out there at this point, guys, there's groups out there for almost any type of business 
of any size, which is, you know, makes my life more competitive, but it's good for you all because you have that much more options. So things to be looking for, are these folks actually listening to you? Everybody looks good in their blue blazer, but are they actually listening to what you're trying to accomplish? And do they understand fundamentally what you're trying to accomplish? And do they respect the business that you've built? Secondly, and pretty germane to what I just said, do they understand the business that you've built? You will see that reflected in valuation. Folks who understand the business that they're looking at will price it more accurately. Thirdly, everybody always wants to chase high dollars. And I think the investment banker plays a huge role in this, but trying to figure out who is over-promising because their goal is to beat the price down in diligence. And likewise, who is over-promising because they just don't understand the business that they're looking at. Therefore, I would say that offer doesn't really ever exist because you know it's not happening or it's not real. So that's really what you need to be determining and looking at is if somebody's willing to pay a sky-high price or a very low price, why? You know, do they need your people? Um, why are they looking to invest into your business and what are their plans? And then do their references that you should be calling, did what they say ultimately pan out? Is their word worth anything? And did they do what they said they were going to do? Basic stuff, Scott, as you know, but reputation's a big thing in this industry. Those are all good points. And no, I wasn't saying your industry was any worse than anything else. It's just like ours or Accountants, attorneys, everybody's got good and bad actors out there. So yeah, no, yeah, I, I would agree, agree with yeah. that. It's so important because you're right. The worst offer out there is one where someone throws in a really high offer that they can't back up or they can't get the money for. Because now you've set the expectations of the owner that that's the real value when it's really not. So that's, you know, that's like with our job, we try to go through and vet those candidates out with an indication of interest is just to see who's for real and who's not and who's got the money that can do the deal and everything that you just talked about. But, you know, all good points. I want to thank you again, Kyle. This is our second episode with you and a lot of great information here. I hope to have you on again some other time, but continued success in finding those companies. Thanks, Scott. Likewise, congrats on that deal the other day. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the M&A Cornercast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again with a brand new episode.